All right. Well, let's go ahead and open our Bibles. Let's turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, as we've seen uh, the importance of Thanksgiving, I've seen that it's, uh, it's everywhere, all over the Bible, brought to the forefront uh, of Scripture, that Thanksgiving is something Christians are commanded to give. And in fact, if you had one word to describe the commands about Thanksgiving, you know, what would it be with thanks? It'd be the word all. So when you think Thanksgiving, the very next word that should ring in your head like, uh, like a bell uh, should, be, uh, should be the word all. So we've seen that. We've seen that Thanksgiving is a good thing, commanded of the Christian. And then we saw uh, how unthankfulness is a, is a grievous uh, sin. It is a, a damnable and, and dangerous action. So Thanksgiving is important. It's commanded. It's dangerous not to have it. So how do we make sure that we are thankful people? How do we make sure, as we've seen all, we've seen the importance of Thanksgiving. We've seen just how important it is to have. How do we make sure uh, that we have Thanksgiving the way the Bible says? How do we make sure that we're thankful uh, in all these things? And that's what we're going to talk about uh, today, sort of to cap off our discussion on Thanksgiving that's moved us through this time where we're already thinking about the things that, that we are thankful for. How do we cultivate Thanksgiving in our own lives? How do we make sure that we're at a level of thanksgiving that matches the Bible's description and the Bible's command? How do you and I, how can we grow our thanksgiving? How can we be, you know, more thankful people? Uh, how can, can you and I be continually thankful, like the Scripture says? How can we not just give thanks, but, but reach the, the all standards that the Bible has, has laid has laid out for us because because that's what we want right that's what we're wanting to get to we're wanting to to obey the the lord as he tells us to we're wanting to obey his call and his command for just how thankful we should be we want to we want to serve him with joy and with gladness we want to be known as an obedient and a thankful a thankful people so how do we get there how do we get to that spot maybe you've seen uh, as we've moved through this, maybe you've seen that you're a, a grumbler. You've seen yourself, you, you've heard this, you go, man, I'm a, I'm a grumbler. I need to get to where I'm supposed to be. Maybe you've seen that you're a coveter. Maybe you've seen that, you know, man, I don't grumble, but I, man, I am sure when I see things that other people have, I really want what they, what they have. And you don't want to be those things. You don't want to be those. You want to be someone who, who is thankful at all times. Maybe you're, you've just seen God sort of raise the bar and think, well, you're not a grumbler, you're not a complainer, but you also have recognized now that you're supposed to be thankful in all. So maybe God's just sort of raised the bar in what being thankful means and what giving thanks means. And now you've seen that you've got to be thankful, you know, so all the time when it comes to Thanksgiving. And, and you're, not, you're not to all yet. You're a thankful person. You're not a grumbler. You're not a coveter. But you're, you're not to where you, you, you see that the Bible tells you you're supposed to be. Or maybe you've just been encouraged by these discussions on Thanksgiving and you've seen that God has grown Thanksgiving in your life and, and, and you want to maintain that godly level of thankfulness and you don't want it to dry up. You've seen how important it is and you thank the Lord that you're seeing these things. You're seeing the fruit of this in your life already before you even saw these passages and you're rejoicing. You're thanking God for doing that and you just want to keep that. Well, how do you do any of those things? How do you get out of the funk or how do you get where you need to be or how do you stay where, you, where you're supposed to be? That's what, that's what we want to talk about today. That's what we want to work on is cultivating that Thanksgiving. And, and I'll say this to start out. The, the good news is we've already done the first step in cultivating Thanksgiving, which is to realize it's important and also to realize it's a command. That's the first thing you've got to do. If you want to grow Thanksgiving, the first thing we've got to do is to realize that it's an important thing worth time. There's a reason that, that no one grows out, goes out and grows, you know, uh, fields of some worthless plant, right? And what, instead, you grow things that are going to be of value to you. You grow things that are going to be useful. No, no one's like, hey, why'd you grow that? I don't know. Nothing eats it. Can you sell it? No, nobody wants it. Uh, then why'd you plant 80 acres of it? No reason. There's snow. Uh, if it's something important, that's what, and that's what you're, so the first step to cultivating it is to realize that it's important, an important thing, and to realize that you're commanded to have it. So you've already done that. We've already done the first step. God has already shown us uh, just how important Thanksgiving is. 
That he's shown us that it's not even just suggested, that it's a command for us, and that there's severe punishment uh, for an unthankful life. You know, you, you, if you don't grow it, your life's going to be like the Oklahoma Dust Bowl uh, of your soul. Uh, no one wants that. So that, that's, that right there is going to get us already sort of, sort of on the track. Because it's, it's, way, it's already woken us uh, to, the, to the battle for Thanksgiving. We're, we recognize now just how important Thanksgiving is. So that's the first step. And the Lord has, has done that for us. He's shown us that in his word. We can, none of us would deny that. Like, I doubt if we sat around and said, you guys think Thanksgiving is important? I don't think anyone would go, I don't know. Ah, it seems I don't know about that. Okay, let's get our Bibles out and show them. Uh, and I don't think anyone would go, yeah, but is it necessary? And someone would go, I don't know about necessary. I'm just going to work on, I, I'm more of a, my spiritual gift is more of encouragement, uh, not thankfulness or something like that. I don't think any of us would do that. So we all recognize that it's important. And we all recognize that it's commanded. So we're all on the track. We're all on the track. We all know this is where we need, we know where we need to be headed. And so God has done the first step, which is to, when you think about it, look at the number of people that we have in our church body. And for the Lord to put an entire, that many people on the same track in building Thanksgiving is really quite an amazing thing. It is a building of a holy house here. Uh, the Lord has, has, is teaching all, and this is, again, why Sunday mornings are so important and that, that time where we're all reading the same thing is so important. We've got here an entire group of people who know how important Thanksgiving is and who know they're commanded to do it. That's a powerful thing in God's body. And, and that's an amazing thing. God's already doing it. So the great thing about cultivating Thanksgiving, he's already done, already done the first step. So, so now we know we've, we've got to do this. That's the first step. But how? How do we do that? How do we, we're all on the track. We all see where we're supposed to get. Now, how do we get there? How can you go either from struggling with, with unthankfulness or, or, or just inadequate thanksgiving uh, to get to the, to the point of being thankful all the time for all things and, and all we're doing and, and all we're going through and, and all in the name of, of Jesus? How do, you, how do you get there? How do you maintain that? And so uh, I thought a great place to start would be here in 1 Chronicles 16. And the reason is 1 Chronicles 16 is a song of thanksgiving. It begins with thanksgiving. When you get to the song in verse 8, it begins with thanksgiving. It's a song that begins with thanksgiving and a song that ends with thanksgiving. It is a, in, in many Bibles, it will even say a song of thanksgiving. It will add something that is not in your biblical text, but they all recognize what it is, which is this is a song of thanksgiving. So let's stand together and let's read. We'll read verses 8 through 13. I would encourage you as you're trying to cultivate Thanksgiving this week, continue to read this song throughout the week. I do not think you will regret it. Okay. So 1 Chronicles 16, beginning in verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. His miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant. Children of Jacob, his chosen ones. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. You may be seated. So to grow Thanksgiving, uh, we have to know what we are thankful for, right? And this just makes sense. If you want to give thanks, you have to know what the thanks is. Thank you, God, for blank. You're thanking him for something. So what do we fill in the blank there? If you're wanting to cultivate Thanksgiving, you have to know what Thanksgiving is. It'd be good if you're wanting to grow pumpkins to know what a pumpkin looks like, right? Uh, If you're like, I'm going to grow pumpkins and you walk outside and you're like, "Uh, how are your pumpkins doing? They're awesome. Really? How how do they look? They're, They're about this tall. And they've got all these green leaves on them. And and you're going, and someone who knows pumpkins is going, I don't think that's a pumpkin. Uh, So if you're going to grow something, it would be good to know what it looks like. So if we're wanting to grow Thanksgiving, we need to know what sort of things should we be thankful for. And, And Thanksgiving is thanking God for 
what he has done. It is giving God recognition. As a, if you're just thinking about, again, the, the Hebrew and the, and the Greek words, it's giving God recognition instead of forgetting about him. It is recognizing that you have done this. It is pointing out the, the grace in all that you have. That's sort of the, the, around the New Testament word there, the idea of the, just the grace of everything. So it's no surprise that the key to cultivating thanksgiving is, uh, like David says here, is to look at what God has done. Look at what David says. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Thanksgiving is going to be built off of recognizing the work of God. And so cultivating thanksgiving is going to come when you and I remember the works of the Lord. When we remember who God is and what he has done. And so what sort of memories then are going to spur Thanksgiving in us? If Thanksgiving is remembering what God is, remembering what he has done, what sort of things will spur thankfulness in us? Let's start out with what might hinder Thanksgiving. I'll give you three things that will hinder Thanksgiving. Uh, and these will have kind of, you've, you, we've heard them before in, in the past weeks. So we won't spend long on them. Uh, some things that will hinder Thanksgiving. One is forgetting. If you want to cultivate Thanksgiving, here's what you don't do. Okay, so these are the things you don't do. It's like I was trying to figure out how to fix uh, Shepherd's lava lamp. Because if ever there was a child for whom the lava lamp was invented, uh, it is Shepherd. Uh, and I was working on fixing his lava lamp, which I found out through the internet does not contain actual lava. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I knew that. It's just, anyway, because uh, I touched it and it didn't hurt that much. Uh, but but as I was as I was trying to you know sort of uh, figure out, the first thing I came to was a list of things not to do to the lava lamp. And after I realized I'd only done a few of those things I wasn't supposed to do, uh, I was able to try and start fixing the lava lamp. And the same thing here. If you're going to cultivate Thanksgiving, there are certain things you don't do. For example, Mr. Jackson wants to grow watermelons. Since Mr. Jackson wants to grow watermelons, there's one thing he won't do this year, which is plant the watermelons where he planted them last year. He won't do that. He's going to have to, it would be bad. For the planting of the watermelons. Uh, and so here are some things that you don't do if you're wanting to cultivate Thanksgiving. One, don't forget. You, we see in the Bible a lot that one of the problems with thankfulness and Thanksgiving among God's people is they have just forgotten about God. They've forgotten. Don't forget the source of the good things in your life. Don't forget where all of your good things come from. I mean, Thanksgiving is watered by remembrance. And forgetfulness will dry up the well of thanksgiving. If you want to be thankful, you remember what God has done. You make sure you don't forget because there's nothing that will dry up thanksgiving like forgetting who it is that has brought all these things into your life. You want to cultivate thanksgiving? Don't forget what God has done. That's the first thing you don't want to do. Don't forget. The second thing, don't downplay. Don't downplay what God has done. Sometimes we're not thankful when we recognize that we've received something, but we feel like we haven't received enough or we've not received as much as someone else. Grumbling and complaining, like we saw, aren't just sins. They're thanksgiving inhibitors. They will, they will, they will pull down your thankfulness. They will muddy the waters of thankfulness. And sometimes, like we saw last week, one of the greatest problems with grumbling is God will give you your grumbling. If you complain that you don't have enough, what God will do, what he threatens to do is, okay, I will take away everything you do have. Uh, that's why grumbling is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, there's, there, it's like, uh, you know, if, if you are constantly complaining about what you've got or complaining about your spouse, guess what, you're, guess what it might do? It might just drive your spouse away from you. Uh, and then you go, oh, look, and I really, I really don't have a spouse now. Uh, so these sorts of grumbling and complaining, they are going to inhibit any thankfulness. So if you downplay the blessing, so the Lord gives you children and you look at those kids and you just grumble about, well, you know, they don't do this or they don't do that. Or the Lord blesses you with good godly parents and you've got these good godly parents and you just compl you're just complaining because they always make you do this and they make you obey and they won't let you do, you know, this, that or the other. I mean, that's going to, that's going to hinder any thanksgiving. It's going to hinder thankfulness. So you forget what God has done or if you downplay what he's done. If you see what God has done, you go, ah, you know, so he, they've got a nicer model. You know, they've got a, I mean, uh, it's great that you gave me this, but look at what you gave them. You're downplaying what, what God has done. 
And the other, the last thing is don't steal uh, the glory. Don't steal the glory. Uh, so this kind of goes with, with forgetting, but Thanksgiving is hindered and, and is lost when we think that the things we have come from us. And I mean anything. If you think anything that you have comes from you, then that's going to hinder the thankfulness to be thankful in all things because you're going to think, well, but I'm the one who kind of got this. But it was my hands that got me this. It was my work that brought this to me. It was my labors, Lord. It was my doing that got me this. The words for Thanksgiving in both the Old Testament and the New Testament carry the idea of God's grace, of God's action in all things. We lose our thankfulness when we think that our hands are what brought us the blessings in our life. When we think that we're the ones that supplied it, then that will hinder our Thanksgiving. So three things you don't want to do. Don't forget. Don't downplay and don't steal God's glory. Don't think that you did it and not him. Okay, so we're not doing those things. We're trying to cultivate Thanksgiving. Well, those are things we're, we're not doing. We've gotten rid of those things, the things that rid us of Thanksgiving, the things that might, might temper our thankfulness. Uh, last week, we sort of looked at pulling the, the weeds, so to speak. Now, you know, how do, we, how do we plant the seeds? What are the seeds of thankfulness? What is gonna, we know what we're not supposed to do, but what are we supposed to do? What, what sort of seeds are we going to plant in the soil of our hearts and our minds that will grow thanksgiving for us? So we can be as thankful as the Bible expects us to be, as thankful as we're commanded to be. Well, thankfulness revolves around the ideas of remembering. And so what sort of things, what sort of things can we be thinking about? Uh, and there are all sorts of answers of things that we could talk about. Uh, but let's see just what the Bible really focuses on when it calls people to Thanksgiving. There are some commonalities that we can see. Because, of course, if I said, what should we be thankful for? Hopefully, we could spend all day here just listing the things that we could be thankful for. And then at the end of the day, go, okay, that's a list of 3,000. Now, go and remember all those things. Uh, we could do that. Like, okay, if I just constantly go over this list of 3,000 things. Uh, but there are things that the Bible specifically focuses on when calling God's people to give thanks. And it says, give thanks and do this. Like the idea being that doing this will help spur the thanks, uh, the thanksgiving. And so the first thing, we'll see one note sort of repeated when it calls God's people to give thanks. Uh, one theme that's going to drive their thanksgiving. This is probably the, the chief. There's going to be two. This is the, the chief one. The second one really goes with it. Uh, the second one is like unto it, which feels like a more biblical way to say it. Uh, the first one is God's goodness. God's goodness. So if you want to be thankful, one of the first things you can think about is the goodness of God. Now, let me show you what we're talking about. Turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Uh, we'll, we'll start flipping through just a few verses here to see this, this, this theme that's going to be repeated on the goodness of God. Often when God is thanked at the, at the beginning of, of, of songs or, or, or verses on Thanksgiving, there's a recognition of the goodness of God, that God is good. And that one of the reasons you're giving thanksgiving is because God is good. Okay, so the goodness of God is going to be centered. Look at Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. We, we saw this, right? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. We looked at this when we saw the command of, of being thankful, even as you come to worship. Let, you better, when you come to worship, you better be, be filled with thanksgiving already. Enter his courts with thanksgiving, uh, or his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Now there he says, give thanks to him. So I want you to come into the, 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 the gate, enter his gates with thanksgiving. I want you to come in praising God, bringing thanks to him, blessing his name. Why? Because he is good. Because Yahweh, unlike the gods of the nations, Yahweh is a good God. The Lord is good. It, I'll throw out some other ones here. We see the same thing in that Thanksgiving Psalm, Psalm 136. You want to read another Thanksgiving Psalm? Psalm 136, verse 1 begins, Give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 106.1 Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 118, verse 1. And these are just a few. These aren't even all of them. I eventually said, you've got to just quit putting them on here because you're just going to keep reading these things. This is just to nail it in your head, this refrain. So you know what to do when I say, oh, give thanks to the Lord. The first thing that comes in your head is, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. That's Psalm 118, verse 1. In fact, the song that we read in 1 Chronicles actually ends with those words. If you go down to 1 Chronicles chapter 16 again and look at how it ends, remember I said it begins with Thanksgiving and it ends with Thanksgiving, you go down to verse 34 in 1 Chronicles and this is how that song of Thanksgiving ends. It ends with, you could probably say it without me even having to have you turn there, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love, what? Endures forever. In fact, this, so, so you've got David sort of penning this idea. Bring it, give thanks to God. Why? Because he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. This actually becomes, oh, the, the people recognize the importance of this refrain. This becomes something as people, as they're, as they're hearing the word of God, as they're recognizing, this becomes a part just like we said, the, the refrain of all that the Lord has said we will do, like, uh, like that same thing, like it becomes a refrain for the people when it comes to thankfulness. So you get to Ezra, you got Ezra chapter 3, here we are, post-exilic times, you're coming back, and what do the people know? What do they still remember? Ezra chapter 3 verse 11, and they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, and what is their song? For he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. You want to cultivate thanksgiving in your heart? Think about the goodness of your God. Think about how God is good. And, and notice in all of those verses, how is God specifically good? In every one of those, didn't just say, they give thanks to the Lord for he is good for, you know, in one of them is steadfast love endures forever and for another because of this and he, for he is good for, and this one gives this example and for, and this one gives that example. In all of them, the reason that God is good is the same. And what is it in all of them? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Why? For his steadfast love endures Forever. I mean, this, this is the, this is the, the, so if you're going down, you've got the, we want to give thanks. Where's that Thanksgiving going to come from? Recognizing the goodness of God and what is so good about God. This is the root. This is the root and route uh, of our Thanksgiving here. This is the, this is the, this is the foundation upon which the rest of it is going to be built. Is that God is good in what? He is always faithful to his people. You want, you want to be able to cultivate thanksgiving in your heart? You can recognize that God is always faithful, that his love for you and for his people is steadfast. It endures forever. Unlike your love, even sometimes for the people that you love the most in this world, which can be waffly and up and down, and you can be selfish and you can lose self-control. and other, God is not like that. God is good. And how is God good? His steadfast love endures forever. So when God's people are pointing out their thanks or when someone is trying to spur them to thanksgiving, whether it's the people going, we're so thankful because of this, or someone's going, hey, people, be thankful because of this. There's one common theme, one common refrain. Think of the goodness of your God. Okay, okay. And why is God good? Because his steadfast love endures forever. So with us, if you want to be more thankful, if you want Thanksgiving to pour from your lips, I mean, that's what's going on in these. It's literally coming from the people's lips. This Thanksgiving is pouring from their lips. Because of these things, then then what did they focus on? You focus on the same thing. Focus on the goodness of God, specifically in his steadfast love to his people. His steadfast love that endures forever. In fact, recognizing God's steadfast love, God's goodness to us, will actually spur your affections. It won't just be something that you sort of say. It will breed an affectation in you for the Lord. It will affect you. Jeremiah 33, 11 says this. 
the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord. So all these festival sort of festive moments, you know, you've got mirth and gladness, bridegroom and bride. Those are good, happy times. And what are some of the happiest times in life? You've got people running around singing with mirth and, and joy and gladness. You've got bridegroom and bride seeing each other and they're singing to each other because uh, they're so happy to be getting married and all this stuff. And what's another moment just filled with those things? He says, and like when we bring, when we bring Thanksgiving offerings to the Lord. And what are all of them saying? What are all of them saying? Give thanks to the Lord of hosts. Why? For the Lord is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. So here again, now we're we're into the prophet Jeremiah. Again, the same refrain throughout the history of the people of Israel. It would be foolish of us to see this cultivation of Thanksgiving and for us to go, ah, I think Thanksgiving will be grown in me a different way. I mean, you're going to be like, oh, that's, I mean, think about the entire history of the people of Israel here and what we're spanning in this. And for you to think that you're totally different from what, you know, that, I mean, this is what spurs Thanksgiving in the people of God. Here in Jeremiah 32, you've got people happy. They're bringing sacrifices with joy, with, with, with mirth. They're giving thanks. Why? Because God's, because God is good. And how do you see his goodness? Because his steadfast love endures forever. God's steadfast love for his people is more than just a a theological treatise. For his people, God's steadfast love, we've seen it in our our lives. I mean, we, we are living in the steadfast love of God. Every moment of every day, you're, you're not just reading about this. We are living in it. We are experiencing this thing that, that, that brought the people of God to, to praise. You are, this thing that is filling the Old Testament with reason to think that, that you're living in that. Not just the nation of Israel that was living in that. You, as God's people, are living in that. You are living and will live eternally as his people in the steadfast love of the Lord. Psalm 30 talks about it from the opposite side. And so I, it says this, Psalm 30 verses 4 and 5. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints. Give thanks to his holy name. Why? For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. So you've got, the, you've got both sides of the corn here. You've got God's steadfast love endures, but his anger does not. His anger comes, but lasts for just a moment. His favor, that'll be there for your whole life. Now you might have, you might have a night of weeping. But that's not, that's not the end of your story. That's not your, that you're, that's, you're not having a life of weeping. You may have a part of your life that is weeping. The end of your story is not weeping. Joy is going to come. Why? Because of God's steadfast love. So what can you do? You can give thanks. You can give thanks. You can sing praises. You can give thanks to his holy name. Even, even, as, the, you're, even as you're weeping. Because you know this weeping is only for a night. You know, you know that morning is going to come. And no one else can have that promise. No one else in the history of humanity can have that hope. And have it be real. That night is not the end. No one can say that. Except for God's people. It is only we. Who are able to know with confidence. Night is not the end of my story. There are some people who go through some really dark times. And because they don't have the Lord. We can't come to them with with these sort of promises of. Oh it's all going to work out in the end. It may not. Work out in the end for you. Because the God you have given your life to is not steadfast in his love. In fact, the God you've given your life to hates you. And darkness is his kingdom. But for the Christian, we may even be moved to moments of weeping. But it only lasts for a night and we can know that with confidence. Why? Because our God's love is steadfast. 
and he is good. And so we can give him thanks even as we weep. Why? Because we know that weeping is not the end of our story. Like Psalm 22 says, even those who go down to the dust will in the end praise you. We can know that even should we die, even should our life on this earth end with us weeping, our eternity will not. Because God's steadfast love endures far longer than our body ever will. So then we're able to give thanks. Even, even, even when we know we deserve the weeping. Even when Psalm 30, I mean, that's what Psalm 30 is talking about. It says your anger is but for a moment. Sometimes we deserve the weeping that we're going through. Sometimes it's the consequences of our sin and it breaks us and it ruins it. It ruins what we had and what God had blessed us with. He blessed us with all of this and we grumbled and he took it away. Like he warned us he was going to do in scripture. We were not good wives. We were not good husbands. We were not good parents. And here's the consequences and we weep. But we're even able in that to say your anger is but for a moment. And your love lasts forever. And so even though I may weep, it will be but for a night. Because I know that morning is going to come. Because you are steadfast in your love. And that leads us uh, to the next thing again with God's goodness. It's not just theoretical. God's steadfast love is not just theological. In, in, in Jeremiah 33, we saw it brought, it brought the people, God had just brought the people back from exile. There's refilling the holy city, Jerusalem. And so you could literally hear the mirth. You could hear the gladness in a city. I mean, a city that had once, what, I mean, let's talk Christmas. What had the city once been filled with? What? Rachel's weeping, right? Rachel's weeping is what once filled that city. And now the city is filled with mirth and with gladness. But God's goodness and faithfulness is present, not just in the life of those people. I mean, they've got, okay, so those in Jeremiah 33, they've got mirth. They've got gladness, which I hope you're trying to work the word mirth into your vocabulary more, like I suggested. Um, thanks to the person who included it in a text message to me. I really appreciated that. Uh, but as you're, as you're doing, it's not just God's people. Here you go, oh, well, they were able to have mirth and gladness. No, all of God's people. All of God's people have been able to know the goodness and faithfulness of God in their lives. Meaning this, we, we don't just all know that God is faithful. We've all experienced the faithfulness of God. We don't just know that God has steadfast love. We've experienced the steadfast love of God. Every single one of us, every single child of God has experienced that steadfast love. We can see it in a way we can all identify with, I think, in Psalm 25. I think Psalm 25 is a good way to see how we can all, all have experienced the steadfast love of God in very precise ways. Because we could all sit down and say, you know, how have you experienced the steadfast love of God? We could go, oh, well, in this situation or that situation. And our situations might be very different. But what ways can we all know that we have seen the steadfast love of God in the way that the, the Bible lays out? Look at Psalm 25, verses 8 through 10. Good and upright is the Lord. So here we see the goodness of God. God is good. And, and how, how so? Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. So what goodness is God praised for here? He's, prayed for, he's praised for instructing sinners. And he's praised for leading and teaching us. I mean, I think one of the chief ways you can see God's faithfulness is in your own spiritual life. You can see God's goodness in his convictions of sin. When he instructs you as a sinner, when he teaches you the error of your way, that is the goodness of God. Psalm 25, 8. That's what he's doing. It is the goodness of the Lord. But it's also seen when he teaches, not just through discipline, but through leading. When we don't need the rod, when we need the staff. When we come humbly to God, ready to learn. We don't, we don't need to be throttled off a path that we're on. Right? He's not, it's not going to a sinner and saying, hey, you're on a path that's horrible. This is us just coming to God and wanting to learn, wanting to do better, wanting to worship him rightly. And what does he say to, to those who come to him humbly? He instructs them. We don't need to be knocked off a path. We're just needing to be led further up and further in. God shows his goodness in what? He instructs the sinner. He corrects them. But he also leads those who are humble. He leads them in what is right. 
He teaches us his way. That's God's goodness to you. So when you say, we don't know how's God been good. I mean, this, today, I mean, our, our time together. This is the goodness of God. This is a reason to give thanks. And for some of you, the Thanksgiving talks might have been where you needed discipline from the Lord. And he instructed you on your sin of unthankfulness. For some of you, for weeks, the Lord has shown his goodness and that he's been revealing to you some unthankfulness in your heart. That's the goodness of the Lord. He's been instructing you out of your sin. That's the steadfast love of God. That's his faithfulness to you. And that's a reason, a reason to give thanks. He's instructed you out of your sin. And that's God's goodness. That's something to be thankful for. For some of you, you're just, you're, you're not, he hasn't taught you this as you've been, you know, all the ways that you've been grumbling or complaining or doing this. For some of you, you've just been sort of soaking in thankfulness. And you've been learning, like, oh, I need to be more thankful. I need to be even more thankful. And you're hearing this about all, and you're like, yeah, let's do that. Uh, and the Lord is growing you in that. You're just learning new stuff to be thankful for. You haven't, you haven't been rebellious against him. You haven't been walking around grumbling. You haven't been subtly texting people about what's really wrong in your life or anything like that. Maybe you've just been, you're just sort of ignorant of these things and you're learning new stuff. And, and maybe you're excited to fill your life with thanksgiving. That too is God's goodness and a reason to give him thanks. Really, anytime the word of God is opened or talked about amongst his people, which is again the importance of us to be sharing the word of God with each other all the time. Because anytime we hear the word of the Lord, anytime it's open, that's a chance to be thankful. Again, not just thankful that we have the Bible. Not just thankful that we have the Bible, but because of what God promises to do through his word. When you open God's word, God is going to be and do good to you. His steadfast love is being poured out on you, not just because you've got a Bible, but because of how he's using it in your heart. At the end of every sermon, you can say, thank you, Lord. And not just because it's finally over, right? You can say, thank you, Lord. Why? Because you know. That God has, has shown his goodness in either instructing you as a sinner or leading you humbly in the way. If you're sitting there and you're just hearing good stuff and you're going, man, I want to be that. You're, hearing the, the, you're reading the passage of scripture and you're going, oh, that, that's, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Guess who's, the one that, that's, guess who's the one that's causing your heart to want to do those things? That's the Lord humbly leading you in what is right. If you're, if you're seeing things in scripture and you're going, oh my God, I think, I think Chris is preaching at me. I saw you make eye contact with me. I know you, I know that whole sermon was about me. Uh, uh, you know, and, and some of you are looking at you and going, yeah, he's talking, no, I, I, I am, I'm talking about all of you right now. Uh, and so you go, oh, I, I know that. Guess who's the one instructing you in that? It is not me, right? It is not me. Because you, you all know, I won't, I won't just subtweet you from the pulpit. I'll just talk to you straight up. Uh, so we all, I mean, it, it's the Lord instructing us in those things. So every time you hear a sermon, you can say, thank you, Lord. But of course we know. If this is the only time we are hearing or discussing the word of the Lord to ourselves or with one another, then we are depriving ourselves of so much. And one of the things we're depriving ourselves of is a reason to be thankful. You fill your life with the word of God and fill your conversations with one another with the word of God and you will fill each other's lives with thanksgiving. You want to help your friend be more thankful? Talk to them about what you're learning in the Bible. Sit down and discuss the Bible with one another. Talk about, I mean, this is, I mean, one of the great things about what we do on Sunday mornings, we've all heard the same thing and the goal is just sort of lay it out there and then you chew on it all week long. You'd be like, we should be like cows with cud. Like, chew on it, swallow it, spit it back up again. Chew on it, swallow it, and, and then, you know, all those things. You go, oh, because what happens is the same thing's going to happen to you that happens to, to me or Zach when we are sort of, you know, laying these truths out there. We've, we chew on it, and we go, oh, man, Lord, that is so convicting. And then we keep, and then we go, oh, now, now this, oh, that's so good. It's not like we're going, oh, that's such a good thought that I'm having. Everyone needs to hear the good thought that I have. We're just recognizing, God, this is, this is, the, this is the way you're leading the humble in what is right. I can't wait for you to lead my friends in that same thing. 
I can't wait to, to show them and get to be like, guys, here's what the Bible says. And for all of us, to go, yes, yes. And then end it with what? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Because of what you promise to do when your word is preached, what you promise to do in and through the word. Psalm 63, verse 3 uh, says, actually, turn to Psalm 63, because I'm going to spend a couple minutes in it. Turn to Psalm 63. We're going to walk through verses 3 through 8 real fast. Yeah, it better be real fast. It's 1155. We got, we got Christmas presents to open. Verse 3. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I mean, this, this is why the steadfast love of God will always be a font of, of thanksgiving for the Christian. Because his steadfast love is better than anything in your life. Meaning this, there's nothing God could supply to you in your life that would be greater than what he's already given you in his steadfast love. So if you think I would really feel love, I would, it would really be great if my life had this, that would not compare to what he's already given you, which is your, his steadfast love. His steadfast love is, is greater, is better than life itself. So you'll, you will never find your life wanting. You'll never find your, your marriage wanting. You'll never find your family life wanting, your social life wanting. You'll never find anything wanting in your life if you're still fixating on the steadfast love of God. Because you, don't, you won't be distracted by something that is lesser. No one's ever like, what? did you see that amazing diamond? And they're like, Sorry, there was a piece of mud over here, and I started looking at the mud. Uh, and it, I mean, if you're fixating on this thing that is greater than life, the steadfast love of the Lord, you won't have time to make up and, and, and worry about all the things that are lesser than that great thing. So the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. And because of that, my lips will praise you. And the psalmist knows the continual source of thanksgiving found in God's steadfast love. Look at verses 4. So I will bless you as long as I live. Because steadfast love is always going to be there. I'll bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied. My soul will be satisfied. As with fat and rich food. I don't need to say, Lord, if I had better food, I'd be thankful. Because he's already, his soul is satisfied. As with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. You want to be satisfied in your life? As satisfied as someone who's living a, a life of feasting. Remember the goodness of God. The goodness of God seen chiefly in his steadfast love. You remember that? Your soul will be satisfied. Your soul will be satisfied. As if you were eating rich and fat foods. Because you are. That's what the steadfast love of God is. It is a feast for the soul. If you, find your, if you find your soul is starving or hungry, you probably haven't been eating on the steadfast love of the Lord. You've been trying to fill that void with lesser things. Like your kids who are hungry because all they've eaten is candy. Right? And they're like, I'm hungry. And you're like, all you wanted to eat was this. And we brought you food and you didn't want to eat it. So now starve. Right? Uh, and you say that. And that's what we do. The Lord has given us his steadfast love. And we're over here complaining. because, But I want this and I want that. Which is less than the thing that he has already laid before us. That will fill us up. You ever get frustrated at your kids for not eating what's in front of you. Then you can recognize the hypocrisy of your soul. Because uh, the Lord has laid in front of you a feast of his steadfast love. And all we want to talk about is what's over here or over there. That would not even satisfy us anyway. The psalmist says, I'll praise you with my whole life. I'll bless you as long as I live. Why? Because I'll always have your steadfast love. So I'll always be able to bless you. I will always, my soul will always be satisfied. How so? Verse 7. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. So here, when things are bad, right? When things are bad, he says, God, you've always been there. You've never failed me. I, 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 can't, I can't say that about myself to you, Lord, but I can say that about you to me. In fact, God, you've been there for me that I, that I can sing with joy even while seeking shelter under your wings. Now, look, I think this is, a, this is an overlooked verse and an overlooked idea. Because he can say, I can even sing for joy while still hiding. I'm under the shadow of your wings. 
things are bad. And I can hide under the shadow of your wings and still sing with joy. That's the certainty of the steadfast love of the Lord. This is what I said. It matches up with when we, we, we read about, you know, uh, singing even though, even in the midst of, of weeping. That, that weeping may last for the night. But you know that joy is going to come in the morning. And we actually, we see the love of God on display in the next verse too. Look at, look at verse 8. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. I, I, I hold on to you, God, for, for dear life. And not only do you never disappoint me, which would be awesome, but this is, I love, this is so, I love this verse. Not, not only does God never disappoint us, I hold on to you, I cling to you, but not only do you not disappoint me, I see you holding back, which I mean, just, I mean, that, I just want some melting right there. We cling to the Lord and we're not just sort of holding on to him as he's sort of sky riding through time. We're just clinging on. We cling to the Lord in desperation. And when we look up, we see him holding us. Your right hand upholds me. I mean, that's the goodness of your God. His steadfast love endures forever in this sort of way. So what can you do? Give thanks. You want to cultivate Thanksgiving? The Bible gives you one uh, very reliable source. Think about the goodness of God. Understanding the goodness of God is the primary root and route of our, uh, of our Thanksgiving. Boy. It's Christmas. We're going to keep going. Next thing. Uh, another constant focus for our life. The second is, and this one isn't as long, and it builds off of the first one, is God's salvation. Go back to 1 Chronicles 16. Go back there again. 1 Chronicles 16. Look at verse 34 and 35. So we read verse 34 where it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So it's 1 Chronicles 16, 34. Look at verse 35. Say also... Save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations so that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. So thank God because of his goodness. Thank God. Say also, thank him because of his salvation. Now, I don't think this verse is saying, if you save us, God, we'll thank you as if he hasn't saved. He's already saved them. I mean, he's already the God of their salvation. He's saving is what he's already done. What David is saying is the only way that my thanksgiving will ever die in my life is if I die. That's the only way. If you save us, Lord, if you save us, we'll keep giving you thanks. I mean, the only way my thanksgiving is going to stop is if my life stops. The only way my life will be reaching out thanksgiving is, is, is if I perish. But God has already saved us so we can keep living, which means so we can keep thanking you. God is able to save him. He says, so, so think about, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he's good. Say also, save us, God of our salvation. And that, that theme of thanking God because of his salvation is one that we find foundational in New Testament texts about thanksgiving. So look, for example, at Colossians 3.17. We'll get two passages. We'll look at Colossians uh, 3.17 and Ephesians 5. But Colossians 3.17 says this. These are both verses that we've looked at. So you know them already. You've been chewing on them for a couple weeks now. But 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything, what? In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we do everything in Jesus' name. And while we're doing everything in Jesus' name, we're thanking God for Jesus because of the work of Christ. This is why being thankful is a central Christian duty because it's built out of us being Christians, being little Christs, being Christ followers, being, being you know, image bearers of him imitating him when we're doing everything in jesus name then of course we're constantly thinking about jesus because you can't do everything in jesus name and not think about jesus or think about what jesus would do so as you're thinking about what jesus would do and you're imitating him and you're and you're you're doing all these things because of what christ has done well what are you going to do you're going to constantly be thanking god for christ 
If you're thinking about Jesus constantly, if you're thinking about him all the time, then you'll be thanking God through him all the time. You want to be thankful? Live the Christian life. Remembering who, is, who it is that's at work in you to do those things. And as you live the Christian life, if you're doing everything in the name of Jesus, you'll be thinking about Jesus. And as you think about Jesus, you'll be thanking God through him. You want to thank God for your salvation? Obey him. Obey him. And every step of your obedience, remember who it is that made your heart alive. Who is it that gave your heart faith? Who is it that gave your heart a desire to serve him? Who is it that turned your heart of stone to a heart of flesh? Who is it that put his spirit within you and caused you to walk in his ways? Every step of the way, it's been the God of your salvation at work. So every step of the way that you obey, you are thanking the Father because you know you would take none of those steps if it weren't for him. And you know that your salvation was purchased by Christ. It's Christ's blood that can turn your rebellion into faith. That washes away the sins of your unthankfulness. It filled your life. You want to give thanks? When you're doing the things in Jesus' name, when you're living the Christian life, thank the Father who works these things in your heart and who did that through his Son. We see the same thing in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5.20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, another passage on giving thanks. And what does it go back to? The work of God in our salvation through Jesus Christ. So remember Ephesians 5. What is the wise life? What is the will of the Lord? It's for us to give thanks all the time and for all things. And, and, and where does that thanks go again? It goes to the Father. But it goes to the Father in the name of our Lord. We thank God for what he has done and what he has done comes into focus and we recognize all that he has done and it it makes sense when we're looking at Christ. You look at Christ and you can see all that God has done for you and when you see all that he has done for you, then you can thank him. You want to thank God for more than you need to see what all God has done. You want to see what all God has done, look to Christ. And as you look at Christ, think about Christ and do everything in the name of Christ, what you'll see is a reason to thank God for everything in your life. So again, you want to cultivate thanksgiving? Then keep your focus on what the Father has done for us through the Son. Christ is a cultivator of thanks in your life. He is the fertilizer of thanks. Planting the seeds of God's goodness, you want want those seeds to well up, fertilize it with the cross of Christ. Which is why this is such a great, this is why the Lord put Thanksgiving and Christmas so close together in the calendar. Maybe they just work together so well in, 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 in these weeks of sermons. Uh, it, it, it does. I mean, if you're going to have Thanksgiving, what is ultimately going to spur that Thanksgiving is the Christ who has come. I mean, that's going to that's gonna be the thing that is going to genuinely grow that Thanksgiving that you, you say you, you wanted a month ago. Okay, so let's talk, let's talk about some final uses and then we'll be done with Thanksgiving and we'll all just be thankful all the time and everything in Jesus' name always because we've preached about it, so we're all going to do it. Let's just do some final uses and some tips, so to speak. How can we we be more thankful or maintain thanksgiving? We want that as a people. We've seen it commanded. We've seen how important it is. We want to cultivate it. What are some practical things that we can do? One is the thing that was suggested a few weeks ago that hopefully you have taken advantage of, and hopefully it has been as useful for you as it, it has been for me, and so I'll just... Use it as an example, set a watch. Set a watch to your thankfulness. I mean, if we can see, again, if we've seen multiple times this idea of, the, of God commanding the people, set a watch to make sure that I'm thanked, I think it's a good idea for you to set a watch to make sure that you thank the Lord. If your life is a sacrifice, if you are a living sacrifice, then it'd be a good thing for that sacrifice to be a sacrifice of thanksgiving at least once a day. And if you struggle to do that just out of your normal routine, maybe you're like, I'll thank God when I wake up. And you're like, okay. And you look back and you go, I just never did that. I intended to, but you know what? I never did. Uh, Or I'll thank God when I go to bed. Those become such a natural part of our life that sometimes we can flow in and out of those uh, various forms of consciousness. Like if I were Leslie, I would never tell her to do anything as she wakes up because it's going to take her 45 minutes to sort of get the engine going. Uh, And that's a lot of times she might be like, maybe I did wake up. For me, I'm not going to do anything when I go to sleep because my body just turns off. Uh, I'm doing something and then doing nothing until it is 
It's not morning again, but it's my morning. Uh, and so, you know, that's just, so it would be bad for us to do it. So one thing we can do is to set a watch. And you can set a time, for example, 317. No reason, not because of something 317 or anything like that. Just because if your phone goes off, you're like, why is my alarm going off? And you go, oh, I need to give thanks to the Lord. You know what you're going to do? It's very easy in that moment to actually give thanks to the Lord. So if you're someone who struggles with thanking God all the time, a way you can start implementing Thanksgiving is to very literally, just like they had a literal watch, they had a literal time that they, okay, this is your time, better give thanks to the Lord. They would get there and that's what they were supposed to do. Set a watch for yourself to make sure that you do it. It's going to just be a helpful thing uh, that we do. Another thing uh, in terms of, of, of being more thankful or maintaining Thanksgiving is just start practicing it. Just start, just start simply do I mean, the commands here are assuming that at least some of us need to, to heed them. Uh, so what do we need to do if we want to be more thankful? Just start being more thankful. Just start, just start doing it. Just simply, just thanking him for things. I mean, even, and even blind obedience is, is, is obedience. You don't have to understand why you should be thankful for all these things. Just thank him for them. You don't have to understand. Now, why, why am I so thankful for Gabby? Uh, and you know, you're, but, but why Lord? And you know, lay it. Okay. I have 20 reasons now. Now I can say thanks. You don't need that. Sometimes you just need to thank the Lord and know, I know this is from you. I pro- I will probably never be able to understand how thankful I should be for this thing. I mean, I thank the Lord for Leslie. And I think I thank her a lot. I think I thank the Lord a lot. I thank the Lord. I even thank the Lord for her when she's hard to wake up. Uh, I go, thank you. Lord, uh, for this trying time. Uh, no, I thank the Lord all. I feel like I thank the Lord a lot for, and yet I know, I know that as thankful as I am for my spouse, I have no idea how thankful I should be. I, I can't even begin to understand the, 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 the breadth of the depth of the riches of what God has given me in, in, a, in, a, in a godly bride. And, but I don't go, well, I don't really understand it well enough, so I won't thank the Lord for her until I understand how thankful I should be for her. You just do it. Just start thinking. So the, the, so the best way, this is, this is what I say. A simple, simple way to do it. One, uh, thank the Lord around the dinner table. That seems to be a way, uh, a place where you see Thanksgiving a lot. People giving thanks in the Bible was around the dinner table. So, so don't eat until you've thanked the Lord for the food. Now, again, this isn't because you have to or because if you eat the food before you do it, it, it you know, it turns into fire in your belly or something like that. Uh, but just because it's a good way to, to practice being thankful. Thank the Lord for the simple thing that he's given you. But here's a, here's a, here's a tip that, that has helped me. Uh, again, because if you wake up or whatever, uh, those might change. Thank the Lord for the thing ever... Everything new that you see that day, thank the Lord for it. First time you see your wife, thank the Lord for her. First time you see a child, thank the Lord for it. This is the first time they come into your life. Boom. Set your feet on the floor. Recognize your house. Thank the Lord for this. Just thank you, thank you for this house. Go to the bathroom. Thank you for water. Go to the, just, if you start thinking the first time I see someone, I'm just going to get in the habit of thanking God for them. I mean, that, that, has, that has enabled me to be thankful for so many more things and people than I originally was. Just getting in the habit of first time I see them, my first thought is thank you, God, for them. That's just an easy tip to start building thankfulness. You wake up this morning. The first person I thanked God for this morning was Beatrix because she was going, and I was like trying to find the pacifier for her. And I shoved it in her mouth and and I just looked at her because I wanted to see if she was awake or you know how babies will either be awake or they'll be the, their eyes will start rolling back and then they'll be back out. Uh, And she just had one eye cocked at me. Uh, And I just thanked the Lord for B right then. Uh, because I'd gotten in the habit of first time I see somebody just thanking the Lord. for So if you're wanting just a tip that can help you be more thankful, first time you see somebody or something, just thank God for it every single day. Start new 
every day. And you'll start seeing yourself getting in the habit of not just saying you're thankful for those people, but actually being thankful for those people. You wake up, you wake up, you see your, your spouse, you wake up in a house, you wake up, you go to pick out your clothes instead of being frustrated at all the options you have and none of which fit or look good or whatever. Uh, look and thank the Lord that you've got clothes. They open the fridge and see all the food and you're going, well, I think that's bad and that's bad and why, we need a bigger fridge or whatever. Uh, you just go, man, thank you, God. That you have richly supplied. I mean, I have choices for food. Every day just opening it and saying, thank you, Lord. All of this is from you. All of, that's a lot. That's a bounty. Like if this had happened in the Old Testament, there'd be a chapter in Numbers about this. Uh, right here, laid out for me. Thank the Lord for that. First time a kid walks in the room, thank you, God, for blank, whatever, whatever it is. That's a whole lot easier to do when you wake up than it is when you go to bed. Because if you're going to bed and the kid walks in, you're like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep. Uh, and they're like, you're walking in again, huh? Another drink of water. Thank you, Lord. Uh, for it. So it's just easier when you're starting your day uh, to do that. Uh, so anyway, th- Thanksgiving is an act. The best way to do it is to thank him for it. So when you wake up, see things new. When you go to bed, here's what I do. When you go to bed, you don't thank him for what you see. Thank him for what you didn't lose. When you, when you lay down and you go to th- sleep, thank you for the things that you didn't lose that day that you could have. The things that you might have been even afraid that you were going to lose. The people that you still have in your life. And think about what you gained that day. A sim- those are two simple ways to increase thanksgiving. You wake up, you see something that God has given you, thank Him for it. You go to bed, thank Him for what you didn't lose and who you didn't lose that day. Because you could have, maybe in a thousand ways that you don't know about. Thank Him that you still have them. Thank Him that you'll be able to thank Him for them when you wake up tomorrow as well. Thank him for what you didn't lose and thank him for what you gained. Those are just two simple ways to begin developing Thanksgiving in our hearts, not just sometimes, but all the time. Uh, You want to cultivate it. Think of God's goodness. Think of God's salvation. Uh, You do those things uh, and God will grow uh, Thanksgiving in your heart. One last encouragement, though, with this. Don't just cultivate Thanksgiving in yourself. Work to cultivate it in others. You want to help grow Thanksgiving in your own heart? Desire not just to grow Thanksgiving in your heart, but in the heart of others. Don't just want to be a thankful person. Want to be the type of person who encourages other people to be thankful as well. Look, for example, at 2 Corinthians 9, 11, and 12. 2 Corinthians 9, 11, and 12. I am thankful for Adelaide. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 11, and 12. Look at what it says. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Are are you a thankful person? Is that how others see you? Is that how you're seen by others? Here we see this thankfulness that they were doing was enriched. The generosity was enabling other people to give thanks to God. It was overflowing in thankfulness to the Lord. Is your life a life that causes other people to be thankful? Are you someone who's seen as someone who's, who is full of thanksgiving? I mean, others should be able to imitate you. And the reality is they probably are imitating. If you, if you want someone to imitate you, be a grumbler and a complainer, right? You will notice that. You grumble, and that is something that will just cause other people to grumble too. But you know what else other people can imitate? Be thankful. Be thankful and watch that thankfulness. I mean, I, I, it pains me as we've gone through this to think of all the various times in my life that I've grumbled about something and someone else grumbled too. It's like a common language. You know, like, oh, it's just, this is so blah, 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 blah. And then they're just like, oh, me too. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and I think about that and I go, you're the worst. Uh, and, but what, what I, when I read this, I go, I want to be someone who talks about thankfulness. And then that causes other people to go, I'm thankful too. Like, yeah, this is what God ordered or whatever, like that breeds that thanksgiving in others. So don't just try to be someone who's thankful all the time. Try to be someone who is not just cultivating thanksgiving in themselves, but is seeking to cultivate it in others. Because other people are imitating you. The question is, is that a good thing or a or a bad thing. And hopefully, as all of us are on that same track, trying to be more thankful, it'll be a very good 
thing as we all try to be just a more thankful people. So let's all fix our minds on the goodness of God uh, and the work of the Lord in us. And let's cultivate Thanksgiving both in ourselves and in one another. Let's strive to do it all the time for all things in all we're doing in all we're going through and all in the name of Jesus. Uh, What a great and thankful time we're in, a time that fixes our eyes and our minds on the very seeds to grow, thanksgiving in our lives, hopefully a hundredfold. Let's pray. Father, as we stop, God, I, I want to begin with all of us just thanking you. Thank you, God. Father, may we all thank you because you are good, because your steadfast love endures forever. And all of us here are lifting up that praise, that thanks right now to you. And all of us can. And and when we'll think about that, Father, we will realize how rich and fat we are. Our souls are satisfied, Father. Because your steadfast love endures forever. That's what we're living in. Father, forgive us for the times we want tawdry baubles instead of that great treasure. Forgive us when we think something else is better than life rather than your steadfast love being better than life. And I'm so thankful, Father, for all that you've given us. I'm thankful that, Father, we're not having to dig and mine for reasons to be thankful. Our lives are full of them. And I thank you, Father, for instructing us as sinners when we forget that. And I thank you, Father, for leading us when we humbly come to you and just say, we want to know how to do it better. There's no God that is good like you. Good and upright is the Lord. You are our God and we are your people. And for that, we are very thankful. I pray that our time of worship today has brought you great praise. And I thank you that this time has been for our good. I pray it has also been for your glory. It's in Christ's name that we give our thanks and that we pray today. Amen.